Book Four, Chapter Seven of the Heavenly Twins. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Judy Guinan. The Heavenly Twins by Sarah Grand. Book Four, Chapter Seven. About this time, the weather changed. The nights were wet for a week, and when it cleared up, the tenor had begun to do some work for the dean, which kept him at home in the evenings so that he had no opportunity of seeing the boy who only seemed to come abroad at night for some little time he saw his sister however in the cathedral regularly once a week and always she gave him a friendly glance by which his days were rounded as by a blessing and he felt content his being so was entirely characteristic another man in his place would have lost the charm of the present in anxiety to reach some future which should be even more complete but the tenor took no thought for the morrow each day as it came was a joy to him and his hopes if he had any were part of his peace the work he was doing for the dean was interesting he was making drawings to illustrate a history of the anglo-norman times which the dean was writing he drew well and with great facility but these drawings many of which were architectural required special care and accuracy with the closest attention to detail which made the work fatiguing particularly as he had to do it at night his only leisure time just then and more than once he had tired himself out had been obliged to put it away and rest on one of these occasions instead of going to bed he stretched himself in an easy chair beside the open french window which looked out upon the cathedral and prepared to indulge in the quiet luxury of a pipe while he rested his weary eyes the great cathedral towered above him and from where he sat the tenor caught a beautiful glimpse of it angle-wise of the south transept and tower and spire the rich perpendicular windows of the clerestory the bold span of the flying buttresses rising out of the plain but solid norman base every detail of which he knew and appreciated it was a fair still starry night without and the light air that blew in upon him was sweet and refreshing his mind wandered from subject to subject a sleepy sign as he smoked and presently he put down his pipe and closed his eyes he thought then that he had fallen asleep and was dreaming and in his dream he fancied he heard himself sing this is a queer dream he was conscious of saying that is my voice exactly i have often wondered how it sounded to other people and now i am listening to it myself which is strange but the strangest part of it was that the words to which the music shaped itself in his mind were not the words of any song he knew but that expression of human nature which contains in itself some of the grandest harmony in the language these our actors as i foretold you were all spirits and are melted into air into thin air and like the baseless fabric of this vision the cloud-capped towers the gorgeous palaces the solemn temples the great globe itself yea all which it inherit shall dissolve and like this insubstantial pageant faded leave not a wreck behind we are such stuff as dreams are made on and our little life is rounded with a sleep the last words repeated themselves over and over again on different notes and in another key each time and with such powerful emphasis that at last it aroused the tenor upon whose sleepy brain the fact that it was not a voice 
but a violin to which he had been listening dawned gradually while his trained ear further recognized the tone of a rare instrument and the touch of a master hand he got up and went to the window oh he exclaimed is it you and there was a world of pleasure in the exclamation come in the boy who was standing in the road opened the little garden gate and entered i'm glad you have relented he said for i meant to play until i had softened your heart and had persuaded you to take me in and the hope deferred was making me sick i was asleep the tenor answered why didn't you come in you must have known you would be welcome here is an easy chair sit down and tell me why do we only meet at night what do you do with yourself all day i am not a daylight beauty the boy declared i look best at night but seriously the tenor persisted oh my tutor you know sandhurst exams and that kind of thing you're going into the army then but the boy smiling put the question by the easy pleasant loving sensuous side of his nature was evidently uppermost and when that was the case it was so natural for him to shirk a disagreeable subject that the tenor had not the heart to pursue it further won't you take your hat off he said presently the boy put up both hands to it my head's a queer shape he said tapping it you won't want to examine it phrenologically will you no the tenor answered smiling not if you object i do object i don't like to be touched the tenor still smiling watched him as he carefully removed his hat his head was rather a peculiar shape it was too broad at the back and too large altogether for his slight frame though probably the thickness of his fluffy light hair which stood up all over it innocent of parting as the tenor's own added considerably to this last effect there was nothing so very extraordinary about it however and the tenor did not see why he should be sensitive on the subject and rather suspected that the boy was gravely poking fun at him but as he could not be sure of this and would not have hurt his feelings for the world he forbore to make any remark the boy glanced round the room what a wealthy luxurious fellow you are he observed these appearances of wealth as you call it are delusive the tenor answered i just happened to have money enough to furnish my house when i came here but i am a very poor man now i have little or nothing in fact but my salary for singing in the choir oh said the boy and you might be so rich with your voice the tenor brushed his hand back over his hair are you lazy the boy demanded no he answered smiling again the boy kept him smiling perpetually what is it then why don't you work well i do work the tenor answered him i mean why don't you make money oh because i have no one to make it for if you had and the boy leapt forward eagerly would you would you work for a lady who loved you if she gave herself to you i would work for my wife said the tenor are you engaged the boy asked there seemed no limit to his capacity for asking the tenor shook his head and shook the ashes out of his pipe at the same time are you in love the boy persisted the tenor made no reply to this impertinence but a glow spread over his face forehead and chin and throat the boy whom nothing escaped left back satisfied i know what it is he said she's married and you don't like to ask her to run away with you i expect she would you know if you did the tenor threw himself back in his chair and laughed his mirth seemed to jar on the boy who got up and began to pace about the room frowning and dissatisfied you look pale the tenor said have you been ill since i saw you no yes the boy answered i had a bad cold i was very sorry for myself the tenor took up his violin and examined it where did you study he asked 
everywhere was the ungraciously vague reply i wish you would play again the tenor said taking no notice of his ill-humour it would be a rare treat for a hermit like me no was the blunt rejoinder i don't want to make music i want to explore well make yourself at home the tenor said humouring him good-naturedly make me at home the boy replied confidential relations you know you may smoke if you like oh thank you the tenor answered politely sitting down in his easy chair from which he had risen to look at the violin and taking up his pipe again the boy was rummaging about now and finding much to interest him he presently recovered his temper and began to banter his host but even this outlet was scarcely sufficient for his superfurious life and energy so he emphasized his remarks by throwing a stray cushion or two at the tenor he jumped over the chairs instead of walking round them and performed an occasional pas sous or pinuet in various parts of the room when these innocent amusements palled upon him he took up his violin and played a plaintive air to which he chanted there was a merry dromedary waltzing on the plain dromedary waltzing dromedary prancing and all the people said it is a sign of rain when they saw the good beast dancing executing grotesque steps himself at the same time in illustration oh boy forbear the tenor exclaimed at last or you will be the death of me that's it the boy responded cheerfully i mean to be life or death to you after this he sat down on a high-backed chair with his hands in his pockets his legs stretched out before him and his chin on his chest looking up from under his eyebrows at the tenor thoughtfully it was an interval of great gravity and when he spoke again the tenor looked for something serious i say he began at last the tenor took his pipe from his mouth and waited interrogatively i say i'm hungry the tenor looked his dismay boys always are you know the youth added encouragingly and if there should be nothing in the house the poor tenor ejaculated i'll go and see he returned quite chestfallen there is nothing he said at least nothing but bread no butter even i don't believe you said the boy rousing himself from his indolent attitude boy you mustn't say you don't believe me but i don't said the boy i don't believe you know where to look are the servants out yes my solitary attendant doesn't sleep here then i'll go and look myself oh do if you like said the tenor much amused and thinking the boy would enjoy himself best if he were left to rummaging at his own sweet will he took up a book brushed his hand back over his shining hair and was soon absorbed where presently he was startled by a wild cry of distress from the kitchen and jumping up hastily he went to see what was the matter he found the boy standing at one end of the kitchen clutching a vegetable dish and gazing with a set expression of absolute horror at some object quite at the other end the tenor strained his own eyes in the same direction but could not at first make anything out at last however he distinguished a shining black thing moving which proved to be a small cockroach well you are a baby he exclaimed i'm not the boy snapped it's an idiosyncrasy i can't bear creepy crawly things they give me fits i begin to perceive boy that you have a reason for everything the tenor observed as he disposed of the innocent object of the boy's abhorrence put it out of sight the latter entreated looking nauseated but as soon as the tenor had accomplished his mandate his good humour returned and he began to beam again what a duffer you are he said taking the lid off the dish he held in his hand you have no imagination you never lifted a dish cover why i've found a dozen eggs fresh 
for i broke one into a cup to see and there are a whole lot of cold potatoes it doesn't sound appetizing cold potatoes and raw eggs sound it isn't sound you judge by in matters of this kind just you wait and you will see smell and taste well if it please you the tenor answered lazily i see something already you have lighted a fire yes and i've used all the dry sticks said the boy with great glee won't the old woman swear when she comes in in the morning the tenor returned to his book reflecting as he prepared to resume it on the wonderful provision of nature which endows the growing animal not only with such strong instincts of self-preservation but with the power to gratify them and to take itself off at the same time and be happy in so doing thus saving those who have outgrown these natural passivities from some of their less agreeable consequences presently a hot red face appeared at the door did you say you liked your eggs turned the boy wanted to know i didn't say but i do if you're frying them and hard or soft oh soft how many can you eat half a dozen at least the tenor returned at random and i can eat three with great gravity that will make nine and leave three for your breakfast in the morning i dare say you won't want more after such a late supper i don't think i should myself but do you mean me to understand that the voracity of the growing animal will be satisfied with less than i can eat well you see the boy explained apologetically the heat of the fire has taken a lot out of me but the waste must be repaired yes but the expenditure has been followed by a certain amount of exhaustion and the power to repair the waste has yet to be generated it will come as a sort of reaction of the organs which can only set in after a proper period of repose a sort of interregium of their energies you know the tenor threw back his golden head oh boy he expostulated don't make me laugh again to-night don't please the boy was very busy for the next ten minutes arranging the table and quite in his element cooing as he proceeded and giving little muttered reasons to himself in his soft contrato voice for everything he did that voice of his was wonderfully flexible he could make it harsh grating gruffly mannish and caressing as a woman's at will but the tone that seemed natural to it was the deep mellow contralto into which he was relapsed when not thinking of himself the tenor thought it hardly rough enough for a boy of his age but it was in harmony with his fragile form and delicate effeminate features whom the gods love die young flashed through his mind as he watched him now coming and going and he sighed it seemed so likely and felt already that he should miss the boy and wondered with retrospective self-pity how he had managed to live at all with no such interest a golden-headed gray-eyed white-toothed fine-skinned son of the morning must be a sybaret the boy observed entering the room at that moment so i bring flowers and also salad just cut and crisp may i ask how you knew there was salad in my garden well you may ask the boy responded cheerfully but let me see though perhaps i had better tell you i found that out the last time i was here perhaps you don't know that i came i wanted to discover the resources of the place so i took advantage of your temporary absence on business one day and inspected it where was i the tenor asked you were busy at the fire insurance office opposite do you mean the cathedral boy i will not let you mock the boy grinned it was the only time i could be at all sure of you he pursued you were going to sing a solo i saw it advertised in the paper and laid my plans accordingly but i was in a fright i thought you might just happen to feel bad and be obliged to come out and catch me i felt 
that strongly when i was picking your flowers in the greenhouse he left the room before the tenor recovered and returned with a tray on which was the result of his enterprise if you don't like eggs and potatoes fried as i fry them you'll never like anything again in this world he asserted confidently helping the tenor as he spoke the thing is i have the dripping boiling to begin with you know he continued i'll only give you two eggs at a time then plunge them in and as they brown take them off one by one and put them on a hot dish i'm speaking of the potatoes now but don't cover them up it makes them flabby and the great thing is to keep them crisp they really are good said the tenor but he had overestimated his capacity and could only dispose of three of the eggs the boy was disgusted however he said it did not matter since he was there to sacrifice himself in the interests of science and preserve the balance of nature by eating the rest himself a feat he accomplished easily now this is what i call good entertainment for man and beast he observed may i ask which is the beast the tenor ventured why i am of course said the boy did you ever know a boy who wasn't half a beast yes it is all a matter of early association and surroundings well if you knew the kind of moral atmosphere i have to breathe at home you would know also how little you ought to expect of me but what shall we drink there is some beer i believe the tenor said dubiously burgundy is more in my line burgundy a boy like you shouldn't know the difference a boy like me wouldn't probably the tenor smiled and what do you call yourself pray a man he asked no a bright particular spirit it was not inappropriate the tenor thought and he got up it does not often happen so he said but now i think of it i believe i have some burgundy in the house the dean sent me a dozen the last time i was out of sorts and there is some left i know said the boy it is in the cupboard under the stairs on the left-hand side when the tenor came back with the burgundy the boy settled himself in an easy chair with a glass on the table beside him and it was evident that his mood had changed he was thoughtful for a little sitting with solemn eyes looking out at the cathedral opposite there was only one rose-shaded lamp left alight in the long low room and the dimness within made it possible to see out into the clear night and distinguish objects easily when i look out at the great pile and realize his antiquity i suffer the boy said at last do you know what it is the awful oppression of the ages the tenor did not answer for a moment then he said i never see you at church i should think not the boy replied still speaking seriously you never see any one but angelica the tenor flushed why do you never speak to that sweet young lady the boy asked tentatively after a little pause i how could i i fancy you ought to the boy went on endeavouring to draw the tenor you can't expect her to make up to you you know oh boy how can you be so young the tenor exclaimed with a gesture of impatience but still abused the boy sipped his wine and gazed into the glass delighting in the rich deep colour i should think she would be delighted to make the acquaintance of so great an artist he said the tenor bowed ironically may i ask if you are pursuing your investigations as to what manner of man i am he asked well yes was the candid rejoinder i was i suppose you think that you ought not to speak without an introduction well say i gave you one the tenor laughed he felt that he ought to let the subject drop and at the same time yielded to the temptation what would your introduction be worth he asked everything the boy rejoined i am on excellent terms with angelica we have always been inseparable and i get on with her capitally and she is not so easy to get on with i can tell you he added as if taking credit to himself 
when she is good she is very good indeed but when she is naughty she is horrid and just now she is mostly naughty she isn't very happy the interest expressed in the tenor's attitude was intensified and inquiry came into his eyes she is not very happy the boy pursued with extreme deliberation because you come no nearer boy you are romancing the tenor said with a shade of weariness in his voice i am not the boy replied i know all that angelica thinks and it is of you hush the tenor exclaimed you must not tell me but she i will not allow it well there then don't bite said the boy and i won't tell you against your will that she thinks a great deal about you this presto in order to get it out before the tenor could stop him but i will tell you on my own account that i don't know the woman who wouldn't if if it flush suffused the tenor's face and he turned away i hope you never say things like that to your sister he objected after a time the boy grinned sometimes i do he said only they're generally more so there was a long silence after this during which the tenor changed his attitude repeatedly he was much disturbed and he showed it the boy made a great pretense of sipping his wine but he had not in reality taken much of it he was watching the tenor and it was curious how much older he looked while so engaged the tenor must have noticed the change in him which was quite remarkable giving him an entirely different character but for his own preoccupation as it was however he noticed nothing boy he began at last in a low voice and hesitating i want you to promise me something the boy leant forward all attention i want you to promise that you will not say anything like that anything at all about me too to angelica the boy seemed to think i will promise he slowly decided if you will promise me one thing in return what is it will you promise to tell me everything you think about her the tenor laughed you might as well the boy expostulated i've got to look after you both and see that you don't make fools of yourselves the youngness of people in love is a caution and i should like to see angelica safely settled with you a man with a voice like yours is a match for any one there are obstacles of course but they can be got over if you will trust me oh you impossible child the tenor exclaimed it is you who are impossible the boy said in dungeon you are too ideal too content to worship from afar off as dante worshipped beatrice i believe that was what killed her if dante had come to the scratch as he should have done she would have been all right beatrice was a married woman the tenor observed the boy shrugged his shoulders but just then the cathedral clock struck three and he hastily finished his wine i'll disperse he said when the chime was over take care of my fiddle you'll find the case under the sofa i left it the last time i was here by the by you should make the old woman stay at home to look after the place when you're out unscrupulous people might walk in uninvited you know ta-ta the tenor found himself alone it was no use to go to bed he could not rest his heart burned within him it was no use to tell himself that the boy was only a boy he knew what he was saying and he spoke confidently he was one of those who are wiser in their generation than the children of light and he had said what was it he had said not much in words perhaps but he had conveyed an impression he had made the tenor believe that she thought of him he believed it and he disbelieved it as she thought of him he threw himself down on the sofa and buried his face in the cushions the bare supposition made every little nerve in his body tingle with joy he ought not to indulge in hope perhaps but as the boy himself might have observed you can't expect much sense from a man in that state of mind 
a few days later the tenor saw his lady again in the canon's pew and he was sure quite sure she tried to suppress a smile that little wrench has told her and she is laughing at my presumption was his distressed conclusion i'll wring his neck for him when he comes again but when the service was over and he had taken his surplice off she passed him in the nave so close that he might have touched her and looked at him with eyes just like the boy when he was shy gave him a quick half-frightened look and blushed vividly gave him time to speak too and he had chosen but the tenor was not the man to take advantage of a girlish indiscretion when he went home however he was glad and he opened his piano and sang like one inspired i am gaining more power in everything he said to himself i could make a position for her yet end of book four chapter seven recording by judy guinan